Hey, Samir. Hi, Nathan. How are you doing? How's God been working in your life? Yeah, um, God has been working in a unique way through this couple of weeks. I think God's been teaching me about why he died on the cross. I think... You didn't know before? No, I think there's elements of things that come with the gospel, that come with the death of Christ, like our adoption, heaven, rewards, all these different doctrines that are birthed out of just the simplicity of the cross. But I think the thing that's been highlighted to me recently from the cross is just that that God just wants us to really be with him. And that, like that the gospel actually says that God desired to be with his people from the very beginning. And it's interesting, I think in one of the Gospels, it says that God tore the veil that separated us. And I think it's repeated in Hebrews where it says that now we can enter into the throne of grace with full assurance and confidence because of the veil being torn. And I think what it highlights to me is like, you know, a lot of people don't want to be with people that are sinful, that are very annoying, that piss you off counselors psychologists but they get paid jesus paid the price by dying on the cross to be with us you know psychologists we paid them to be with us but at least christ though suffered to be with us and i think that even shows how great his love is so i think that has really been on my heart lately and it's been really inspiring me to just to just spend time with god from a place not of legalism but from a place of understanding wow like God likes my presence. He likes to be with me, you know, and I think that's been a life changer. And yeah. you didn't know that before? You just thought, like, he tolerated you or something? I think in the past, it's not that I thought God was tolerating me, but I think it's just, ima- when you come to pray, you just think God's on a throne and he, and he hears you. You know, he hears your prayers. He hears what you're asking. He hears your worship. But he's not making eye contact with you. It's like, he's not making eye contact with you, and it's not like, you praying to God doesn't really mean that that other person wants to be with you. Like, I'm having a conversation with you. You're having a conversation with me. But I can't assume you actually want to be here. That is true. You know what I mean? For all for all we know, I'm just here to fulfill a weekly obligation. Exactly. And I, I totally ignore you. For throughout the, the re- week. Yeah, throughout the week. No. <laughs> so I know it sounds very simplistic and super like we've heard it a million times, but I... That's just what's been highlighted to me. I don't. Sometimes I'm very forgetful, and sometimes God has to remind me the, the simple foundations of, of the faith. But what about you, Nathan? What's been happening your week? I, I was talking with my sister about this a couple of days ago. She mentioned to me that we're not necessarily meant to go out into the world and meet everyone on the street and say, "Hey, you need Jesus," because otherwise you're going to hell. The point of the Great Commission was to go out into the world and to make disciples of people. And that's a, that's a far longer and harder process than simply going up to a person and sharing the gospel with them. But it's also a more, I, I, I guess you could say a fruitful process. You're taking the time to get to know them and you're encouraging them and you're supporting them and you're showcasing that unconditional love in their life that they need. And that's, that's something that... I'm hoping to do with this podcast and whoever happens to be listening to this. But I also I also think that I need to do more of that in my life. I, I, I started thinking about like the different churches that I've been to, whether or not they were showcasing that kind of love and acceptance. And I, I kind of wanted to get your take on what do you think makes for an accepting church? And how have you experienced it yourself? 
Yeah, currently I go to a church called Hybrid, and I think uh, it's been a very accepting church. It, it, it has open arms. It, it really welcomes anyone from any walk of life to come in and to hear the gospel and to respond to it. So I think I've just grown up in a church that is very hospitable, that's very kind, that even if you're struggling, even when you have bad days, even when you're not a Christian yet, you know, they, they still show you love and they still are there to reflect the nature of Christ. So I'm thankful that I grew up in a church that has displayed those characteristics. And, and that's the only church you've been to? That I've been to many churches. I think to judge a church just by going one time or twice or just meeting three or four people and they were really rude that's too quick to make a judgment on the whole church because i've been to many churches but i haven't stayed long enough to make real evaluations about the church as a whole and i think we have to be careful sometimes when we judge a church because sometimes there might be one or two people that are just are very rude disrespectful not kind and then we judge the whole church but sometimes the whole church is actually just like that and that's the the culture of the church. So you have to be there for some time before you make those kind of statements because then you can fall into like slandering the church without really true evidence. But I have, I've heard of churches where they are very legalistic. They're very judgmental. They're very rigid in their approach with other people that are not like them. So I've heard of those churches. Have I been to one? No, if I'm being dead honest. I've been to a lot of good churches. I just maybe have been protected by the grace of God. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's because we just live in Canada. Maybe we just live in a, yeah, Canada, the very polite. Nice society. Nice society, and it's really hard for us to be disrespectful and rude, unless you're driving, but that's yeah. another case. But yeah, uh, but I think the other issue also is I think the church struggles with how to not be in the world, how to be in the world, but not of it. Yeah. And I think the church, because it doesn't know how to navigate that, they can fall on this Pharisee kind of side. They become very Pharisaic in their ways or they become very like lax lax and liberal and and i think the church is trying to wrestle how to navigate that but what's your thoughts on the churches that are accepting or not accepting i would say like you i've heard of a lot of legalistic controlling cult-like atmospheres that claim to be churches mm. and turn out to be far from the safe havens that we idealize in our minds i've never been to one though yeah but I, I, I would say, like, what's been more disconcerting for me, I've been to a lot of nice and wonderful churches where everyone there seems to have a normal existence. They have a happy family. They go to church every Sunday because it's their, part of their routine. And they come back home to their happy homes and they live their happy lives with their happy families and, and happy dogs. And happy dogs. Mm -hmm. And their cats as well. The dogs and the cats get along. Get along. Mm -hmm. And and they don't even fight with each other. Everything is perfect. Yeah. And like that's the way it should be with Christianity. Mm -hmm. Like you should be transformed and renewed to the point where everyone looks at your life and thinks to themselves, Man, I wanna be like that. But at the same time, I think there can be a bit of dissonance where you go to that kind of church and you wonder to yourself, where are all the broken people? Because I know that I'm a broken person. I'm a guy with a lot of issues. Where do I fit in? A lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of people 
especially if they're not Christians or if they're Christians that are struggling, like everyone else, like me and you, they come to a church and everyone's smiling, everyone looks happy, everyone looks perfect. It's like your conscience just judges you and you feel like you don't belong there. And, and then maybe the guy that's at the coffee table looks at you and you just feel judged, you know? Like, the guy with like the hipster hair yes, and, and the glasses. And it's like your own conscience is judging you. And I think sometimes that is the real issue. I think the real issue is people's conscience is judging them. And because they're so young in the faith or because they're just, they don't really know the faith that much, they don't know how to navigate their guilty conscience with the gospel yet. And so when they come to church, and this is supposed to be a holy place a sacred place and then you come there feeling shameful guilt like it's like you're judging yourself or maybe you don't even come feeling guilty or shameful maybe you're just like the best analogy that i can think of is you're a goth in a crowd full of hipsters you are focused in your mind about death and heavy metal and everyone else is focused on folk music and overpriced coffee. But that's a personality differences. Do you think that affects how people feel when they're at church? Do you think it's not just you're saying it's not just guilt and sin, it's more like it's it's it's, it's, it's like it's like you're looking at the other people in the room and you're thinking to yourself, I know we have something in common, or at least we're supposed to, because everyone else is on fire for Jesus, and I'm thinking about being on fire for Jesus, but at the same time, there is another of a gap where I, I, I don't feel like we have anything else in common. But that's why they say like Sundays are the most segregated days. The black people go with the black people. The Nigerians go with the Nigerians. The, the Ethiopians go with the Ethiopians. The Ethiopians. So, and even then it's still tribal because like Ethiopia, I think I think there are like three specific languages from that country that are... There's actually 80 dialects and 80 tribes. Like it's divided more than just three. There's still a lot of tribes and dialects that's within that country. But yeah, I I think like just being a Christian that loves Jesus sometimes is it's not enough I like for an example me and you we're very different we're not the same no we're not we're not the same you're very different in what you're interested in what inspires you you write you like books I like movies way more you like video games I like cooking you like well you like it more than me I like it more than and you and you're you're better at it than me thank you uh, you you like you like going to expos and events I like playing basketball and playing sports we're we're so different and are you saying you like music different type of music what's your favorite genre I would say I like electronic and country western music the best. Yeah, I like hip hop and rap and R&B and... And are you saying that everything that I like you don't like? It's that we just... I'm not saying everything you like I don't like. It's just that everything I like and what you like are very different. We don't have a lot in common in regard in regards of our interests. Except for Jesus and Lost. Jesus and the Lost and the Gospel and theology. So like... My point on that is to say it is enough. Being a Christian is enough to connect us as brothers and sisters. Uh, and sometimes you don't need to be the same with everyone to connect with people. I think that's a misconception. What do you think? I think it's interesting that some churches, like, the main topics of conversation are what really reveal your priorities in life. I go to some churches 
and people are talking about what's the latest meme on social media or what's the latest Marvel movie like or just something that happened over the weekend that I never got an opportunity to witness because it never crossed my radar. Other times we're just talking about Jesus and the more we talk about Jesus, the more we talk about uh, how we love God, the more, the more real it feels the more you can look back on that conversation and think to yourself, man, what was said back then applies to my life right now. Mm -hmm. It's not going to age poorly. And I, I think like, I don't know if this is necessarily the mark of an accepting church, but it's definitely the mark of a timeless church. Mm. Yeah, if we're going back to that, I think the main key is the whole church has to have their eyes on Jesus. I think as have you ever played on any sports team? I used to play soccer when I was really young. When you were young, when I, I used to, I love this thing that Francis Chan said. Like, and I related so much. He was talking about the analogy of like a sport team, a basketball sport team. And the whole team's goal is to win a championship. And they will go through trials. They will go through suffering. They will die for the ball. Everything so that the whole team can try to win a championship, right? And as they do that, as this whole team's focused on trying to win a championship, you are, one thing you'll start seeing as a result, as a fruit of that, is this, like, brotherhood forming. As, like, they're all, like, hugging each other, laughing with one another. You see this fellowship and unity within the team. And yes, there's fights sometimes like that, but when they get refocused to like, we're here on this team to try to win a championship, you see that it kind of dies down. I think in the church, we can lose focus of the goal. We can lose focus of the championship. Well, isn't the point of playing basketball just to have fun? No, it's to win. Are you sure it's not to have fun? No, no, it's to win. You need, you're, you're trying to, no one wants to be on the basketball team. If you want to be on the basketball team, just to win, go play community basketball. But no one's playing community basketball because they want to play club. Club leads to championship. So my point is to say in the church, we f lose sight of the championship. We lose sight of the vision, which is to fix our eyes on Jesus and what he's done for us. And when we have our eyes on Jesus and the cross as a whole church, you can't be judgmental because Christ died for your sins, you know? So he died for the person that you're going to judge. But at the same time, you're not going to tolerate sin in the church because you know that Jesus died on the cross for sin and he suffered. So it's like you won't be judgmental or very like liberal in how you handle and talk with people and uh, relate with people within the church. So it's like if I was a lead, I am a leader in the church, but like my, my goal would be to get everyone's eyes on the cross as often as they eat and drink, as often as they think and pray to just always remind them of the cross because the cross united us and make sure they keep eye contact with god yes that's the goal and then that's that's how that you win a, that's how you bring unity in the church so if i might ask uh have you seen what it looks like when a church doesn't keep their eyes on the cross yeah you, you start devouring one another you start picking at people's faults you and start... where have you seen that where have I seen that? Um, that's a good question. So I have said openly that I haven't been to a lot of like legalistic religious churches, but I've seen it in I've seen it in families. You know, families are like the church too. You know, the they're church, like a mini church. They're like a mini church, and when the family, when you realize that family is like centered on the cross, that the whole family's 
fixing their eyes on Jesus, there's like fellowship, there's peace, there's joy in that family. But when the whole family forgets the cross at times, or they don't do devotions together, they don't encourage one another for good works, like when they don't have their eyes on the cross, essentially, you see brothers and sisters fight, you see husbands and wives fight, you see less patience for one another, you see all these little like things that frustrate them. And so if the family is a mini church, the church at whole is many families, you know? Yeah. So, like, it starts at your home. So, I've seen it in homes. I've seen it in Christian homes, Christian families, where they forgot the cross or they they, they, t- they took for granted the cross and what the cross means in that home and how foundational it is for that family. So, I've seen it in families where there's, there's division because they're forgetting to fix their eyes, uh, mainly. As far as, what about you? Where have you seen it? I, I would say I've... I've seen it in two different settings. I used to go to a queer-focused church. The homosexual church? Yeah, homosexual, LGBT. So just clarify for them that you don't really support or okay. encourage anyone to go there, but... Okay, yes. I, uh, I don't support the LGBT community. I do love and care about a number of LGBT people, both Christian and non-Christian. This church that I'm speaking about in particular, last I checked, I wouldn't recommend going to it, not just because it's LGBT focused, but also because the theology of that church is kind of crap. But when it comes to that church, I wouldn't say their eyes were focused on Jesus as much as it was focused on the greater struggles of the LGBT community and what needed to be done in order to recognize those struggles. And I, I, I would say that uh, it, it didn't result in division as much as it resulted in compliance. Being willing to live one's life to a certain standard of goodness and then not going any further. Wanting to bring justice for the poor, that, that was definitely a value uh, for the church. Wanting to bring justice uh, to the LGBT community, definitely a value. Wanting to love the poor, love the homosexual uh, love the immigrants and uh, the downtrodden. All of those were values of the church. Loving someone who belonged to the United Conservative Party? Out of the question. Loving someone who was spiteful towards you and who was telling you that you were going to hell? Out of the question. These people who are going to this church, I believe they are good people. I believe they have good intentions. But at the same time, there's not that quality about them where you look at their lives and you think to yourself that God has transformed them to the point where their mindsets have transcended the world. And that's kind of sad. And on the other hand, I would refer to the homeless ministry that I got kicked out of where I felt like there were people there who loved God, loved Jesus, loved being able to go out on the streets and help homeless people. But when it came to making certain judgment calls, they weren't necessarily going to God for help on what to do next. They were more or less making instinctual decisions. And to be fair, I was doing the same thing. I'm just as guilty as the rest of them. Yeah, no, I I think the moral of the story is like just uh, we're broken, we're guilty. Uh, none of us is perfect, but if we don't have our eyes on the cross, we we can tend to be judgmental and offend people and kick people out and lose sight of the bigger picture and lose sight of the bigger picture, and we don't have any grace to function in. And but if we don't have our eyes on the cross, we will tolerate just this. It's funny that the homosexual community is the one of the things I realize is that it's like they're like modern day Pharisees. They are indeed. You know what I mean? In the sense that, like, there's this, like, 
we are moral, we care about the immigrant, we care about the poor, we care about the, the people that are marginalized, we care. And because of that, we're better than you. And it's like, there's not a spirit of grace, you know what I mean? And I think you can actually be a pharisaical modern day. And you can be like loving, but like... Missing the point. Yeah. And so it's like, without the cross, you're not... Ravi says that the God knows how to humble us without embarrassing us and exalt us without flattering us. And I think... The cross does that beautifully. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you'd want to add? Oh, that's it. That's it. Well, see everyone. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray and co-hosted by Samir McConan. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us, and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.